Hey chaps, happy Tuesday, most underrated day of the week. I feel it kind of gets forgotten. Monday everyone dreads, Friday everyone loves, Wednesday and Thursday have a bit of attention, but Tuesday gets memory hold. And so here we are giving Tuesday love. All right chaps, welcome to the glory. So today, I was just uh, thinking on, you know, uh, it was a really great stream yesterday. Thoroughly enjoyed uh, chatting about uh, Christian nationalism and, uh, you know, a tool as a tool for racial peace and and our own practical outworking. Uh, you know, we don't want we don't just want philosophy and, and ideology. We want praxis. We want practical. Uh, you know, it's something that Jordan Peterson. Uh, the reason he got so much uh, traction and so much. Uh, attention is because he offered praxeology clean your room tell the truth do what you know you need to do like oh wow that's amazing um, but then he played the whole classical liberal um, I'm above I'm above wokeness and I'm above right-wing reaction uh, standing athwart history uh, we shan't be, let's be individuals and it's like Okay, great. You just made a whole bunch of boys go tell the truth with no, with no in-group to protect them from the fallout of telling the truth. And so that was a great chat yesterday. And it just got me into thinking of like, we've got to take our ideals. It's good to have ideals. It's good to have a guiding star, a, a, a vision that we're working to. But what is the practical now? And you know, for a lot of us, that's work. That's economy. It's morality. And it got me into thinking along the sides of like, God, what does it mean to be a king? You know, cause it's this, I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying this, the, this concept of Christianity is aristocracy of every man. You know, we, we, we are all expected to have king energy, uh, to be the Kings of our domains. And so Lord sets out different domains for different men. You know, there's different ways to look at this. Um, you know, if you look at, the way that the current pop Christian uh, frame puts it being uh, a pastor is like the height of King energy. If you want to change culture, if you want to change the world, become a pastor or a missionary. And we forego the three, perhaps most powerful influential cultural tools uh, available to us. And that's economy you know, having your own business or becoming super uh, wealthy, owning land, owning property, owning businesses, owning machinery, equipment, assets. That's a ministry. Like that is a, you know, half of Donald's glamour and power comes from the fact that he he has FU money. You know, he's, he's independently wealthy of anyone who uh, would try and shame him or scare him into like, well, you're going to lose your companies. You're going to lose your money. You're going to lose your job. You're going to lose your 401k. You're going to lose your health insurance. And so as Christians, you know, we want to be in the position of Abraham. We want to be in the position of, of God is my provider. God is my shield. And I'll say what I want to say. I'll do what uh, I believe is on my heart to do. So economy, a huge area of kingship that we are reclaiming. Uh, you look at, at that as well with, with the Amish. You know, they have an in-group economy that they, they do together. 
Uh, a second um, area that, that we neglect as Christians uh, because we're focusing on the church, so economy. A second one is media, right? Is creating frame, creating vision, envisioning people. And again, I look at this and I'm like, that is how you change culture. You know, do you control the school system? Who's, who's teaching your children, right? Do you control music? Do you control art? Do you control um, leisure activities and entertainment? Uh, you know, what are our, and it's, it's hilarious because meme culture is an aspect of this, right? The right are meme kings. And it's like, God, that's wonderful. Let's, let's, you know, the creativity is there. The genius is there when it comes to media. Uh, we have to have a belief in kingship that actually this is what God wants me to pursue and I'm going to become excellent at it and create beautiful music, which a bunch of guys are doing. Create beautiful educational stuff, which a bunch of guys are doing. Create beautiful entertainment and art and stuff, which, which guys are doing. And even to the, to the aspect where a lot of guys are like, man, there's no good. Uh, you know, you're not, a, you're not in full-time ministry if you're an actor. You're not in full-time ministry if you're a sportsman. You're not a full-time minister if you're a, uh, whatever your, whatever celebrity thing, right? Celebrity culture, uh, yes, it's degenerate. Yes, it's evil in its, in its, uh, in its fruit. But as a tool, celebrity culture is this immense culture shaping, vision giving machine tool that we've just allowed all the degenerates to run. You know, what about Christians making brilliant movies? What about Christians making brilliant um, computer games, brilliant books, brilliant, you know, it's like our, our big cry right now is like children shouldn't have phones, children shouldn't have TVs, we shouldn't have TVs. And it's like, yeah, it's true. But until someone comes along with based news network and is just, you know, I, I hope, I hope, you know, for instance, that Tucker gets fired and does his own thing. But even there, Tucker is too, he's too moderate. He's too liberal. And it's like, there's this, I was thinking about, I was thinking about, I was reading one of my, my, my Twitter feeds, Twitter threads that I made a while back on, on, you know, what town to settle in. And we're looking for a university town because it's beautiful and it's up, it's upper class economy, but we're wanting a rural conservative town because of the, the morality and the community. And it's like, oh my gosh. The reason university towns are so liberal and crazy is because the universities are setting the culture. So again, where's our based reactionary right-wing university? You know, I think there's this, uh, what's that law called? There's a O'Sullivan's law. Any organization that is not, is not created explicitly right-wing will over time drift leftwards. And it's like, where is the explicit? Because if you look at Harvard, Harvard was started, I think their like motto was like uh, to pursue Christ or to uh, all knowledge comes from Christ or, or you know, whatever their, their thing was. But they were a deeply Christian Bible school. Same with all of the, the East Coast universities were started by deeply sincere Christians. And they drifted leftward. Um, and so for me, I'm like, that, that's part of the tool is academia. You know, are we setting up our own schools? Are we setting up like super uh, culturally aggressive schools? So anyway, so that's so economy, schools, media, academia, entertainment, celebrity culture, sports, 
right? Sports are a phenomenal tool for shaping young men's character and culture and building camaraderie and building community. So one, two, three. Third one is government, right? The third uh, area of kingship that we are, are as Christian men retaking now is government, right? Local government, especially sheriff, judges, uh, policemen, um, random bureaucracy on, on the city council or the school board or, uh, you know, uh, electricity and sanitation and all of the, you know, it's like, oh, Scott, what good is it being the sanitation guy? What good is it being the water board? And it's like, yeah, when they come and knock on guys' doors and say, sorry, sir, your water is being shut off for not being vaccinated or whatever it is. It's like, no, local guys are like, screw this. This is our community. We are, we're, we're solid. We're in governance. Um, and, and then from there, once you have local, you know, cause I think that's the, the other meme is like, I think they know Christian boys aren't going to stay away from politics. So they're like, how do we push them up into federal, global, huge political stuff where they waste their energy and, and get demoralized. And it's like, and they, it's a deception. Whereas if we push all those boys to their local, like, you know, it's, it's, you know, you start getting these, these things of like these super based sheriffs who you're basically a one man walking constitution. You can deputize the whole village and give them all gun rights. You can deport every illegal that you, you find. You can uh, choose whether to not shut down businesses. You can choose where, you know, it's like sheriff is a badass thing to, to make a, a gut, a go for. So I just wanted to focus on what does it look like to do King work? Um, let me just, uh, Rob, hey bro, Peterson's rules fall apart without applying a dual code of morality that you can treat members of your tribe with one set of rules and members of our groups with another and still be a Christian. How the Amish treat other Amish versus the English and yet are still good Christian folk. Exactly. Exactly, man. You know, I think that's where Peterson was a psyop, you know, these, these libertarian, uh, libertarianism is classic liberalism. Individualism is a psyop to get good Christian boys, uh, to, to not, take the duties of family and community, you know, because I'm, I'm an individual, just run away to the woods. So good, bro. And that's a, no one faults the Amish for, for their in-group preference. They are the tribe of peace, the religion of peace. Um, all right. So where I was going with this was, you know, a while back for myself, I think we, we, as young men, you know, we have this nihilism of civilization is going to crap all around us. Uh, the economy, uh, is kind of stacked in, in weird ways uh, against us, you know, so we don't fall into a victim narrative, but we do fall into a God. I don't want to just be trapped in a declining civilization in a, a consumer globalist uh, outsourced economy. What is your ways to wealth, to blessing, to, to all of this? You know, what should I be working on? You know, and, and I think um, we get to this place of like, you know, like, God, just tell me what to do, God. God, just give me a plan, God, and I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do whatever you tell me to do, Lord. And so I was kind of like in that frame, not as not as mopey and soy as that, but but it might as well have been. And I just felt God say to me, Scott, would you speak to your real dad like this, to your, your earthly dad like this? You know, would I go to my, my earthly dad and be like, Dad, just tell me what to do, Dad. Dad, I'll do anything for you, Dad. Dad, just tell me. I don't know what to do, Dad. You just tell me what to do, Dad. And it's like, that is like, you know, your dad would slap you and be like, what the heck are you doing? Like, I didn't raise this soy thing. And my dad would say to me, son, 
I love you. Like, what do you want to do? I've, you know, you, you've got these passions and these talents. And I think you, you, you always talking about this and you're always reading about that. What do you want to do? And so it really got to this place for me of, of digging into in Proverbs 18, it says a man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. And I think that's our, our, one of our deepest desires is to make a great contribution of our gift to a team of great men. You know, we don't want to, we don't want to be working with a bunch of slackers and nobodies. We want to play on a team of, of guys who are as good or better than us. And we want to contribute. We don't want to just be floating and taking along for the ride. We want to be paddling and pushing and giving our fair share. And we want to be uh, with those great, that team of great men um, attempting great things. You know, we don't want to just, you know, I made that, that tweet the other day. I, was, I said, like, who would be keen to, to go rafting from Pittsburgh all the way down to the Gulf of Texas? And it's like, it's a great thing. You know, and, and you, you get thinking about it and you're like, ah, it's, it's actually useless. There's no point. You know, it's, it's not the 1800s anymore. It's not a beautiful river anymore, blah, 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 all this stuff. And, you know, what's the point anyway? Nihilism, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, the point is to show your freedom. Show your freedom from, from your, this oppressive system to show your freedom of adventure. And we're still men. We still have testosterone. We still want to go do fun things. And like, that would be a great thing for a lot of men. You know, it's not circumnavigating the, Pacific Ocean alone, like that's for a lot of men, that's there's a line between greatness and insanity. And like for me, that's insanity. It's like, yeah, I'd rather not die in the middle of the Pacific in the doldrums with a shark gnawing on my leg. Whereas floating down the Ohio River is like with a bunch of mates, it's like, it's actually a great thing. Like this is the beginning of civilization again uh, in, in my own small scale way. So I just got to this, this point of like, all right, Lord. Our, our gift is what makes room for us. So I, that's like my number one point. Okay, my number one point was this. Greatness and king work is not in the church alone. Church is one of them. You know, if you've got a calling to ministry, if you've got a, a heart for, for pastoring and teaching, uh, that's awesome. Go hard. Go hard at it. Build honor. Speak the truth. We need based churches, right? We need churches that aren't just going to go along with the zeitgeist and, uh, you know, give Ben Shapiro talking points and, um you know, just make people comfortable uh, in their misery. We need based men who will speak the truth. Um, you know, and, and that's where it's, it is encouraging to see Jordan Peterson. If a man who's not even a Christian, who's morally really weak and spouting off Shapiro talking points, if he can get a following of hundreds of thousands of young men, it's like, guys, if you are, if you know that, that in your heart, you're called to be a pastor or a teacher, the only thing stopping you from having a huge male masculine fellowship of strong king men is going and doing it you know and it's almost to that point like rodney howard brown he's a south african guy who came over to america in the 90s and started a church in florida he was the guy who got arrested at the beginning of the lockdown for not shutting his church down like it's as easy as that it's as easy as saying it's like i'm not afraid of dying i'm not afraid of being arrested um i'm doing i'm being a man i'm being a king and it's like kings attract kings like You'll have a ton of kings show up at your at your services every Sunday. We need that. That being said, majority of us, 90% of us are not going to be ministry church guys, right? And that's kind of stifled us because we're like, well, that's the only way to be a great man for God. And it's like, here's the other three areas, right? 
economy, uh, media, uh, let's, let's leave it at uh, influ influence, influ influencing, whatever you want to call it, um, and then governance. Those are three things that we should know that we have some form of mastery or aptitude or passion for, right? And it's like, stop putting it off because it's not Christian enough. Stop putting it off because it's not, um, it's not what, you know, God, God could never bless me being the water board, the, the, you know, the water board chairman or the school board chairman or the mayor of my town or the sheriff uh, or a YouTuber or a, uh, you know, building school curriculums or uh, being a dentist, you know, and cleaning people's teeth and earning a crap ton of money. Like these are all full time ministry. These are all influential, amazing things. You know, when, when Jesus says to the Pharisees, cause I think it was the Pharisees, anyway, the stuck up pricks, they say, we are Abraham's heirs and children. And Jesus says to them, like, if you were Abraham's heirs, you would do the works of Abraham. And so one of the biggest things for me with the works of Abraham is not building churches. It's being a king in whatever sphere uh, that you have a passion and a talent for, that God has, has made you uh, uniquely for. And so Abraham exhibited kingship. He demonstrated kingship in, he was very definitely um, economy and rulership governance those were his two grace names and he did them both because that's the other thing is like guys are like oh i should only pick one it's like no do whatever you've got capacity for rob peterson was and is a gatekeeper full-on i agree uh and and almost almost as well grifting off of young men's identity and father wound i very much like the concept of every patriarch as a king i've been thinking about my colonies uh, the commune a left colony versus neo-baron colony of the strong man and first member exactly and that's how we're, we are to think guys is is through the colony model heaven on earth jesus teaches us to pray you know on earth as it is in heaven god your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and that thing your will think of it as inheritance right when you inherit from your father it's through a will what are we inheriting sonship kingship on earth as in heaven um, it's just, it's like, wow, Lord, it's super simple. It's not, it's not obvious because it's taken us, you know, so long to even like hear this stuff. It's not obvious, but it's simple. So with the works of Abraham, land, wealth, power at ministry, at economy, at influencing or media, at uh, governance. So that's the first, the first, uh, my first point is what is your sphere? What is your sphere of influence that God has given you a passion for? And, and again, you don't have to be amazing at it. You don't have to, because we all start at the bottom, you know? I mean, sometimes we get an inheritance uh, from, you know, our father or from whatever uh, circumstances we're in that are like, oh, your dad was a mayor and you know how to be a mayor and you're blah, blah, blah. And now you're in governance. And it's like, great, that's awesome. Or, or uh, economy, right? My dad built a business. Now I have a business. I'm boom, I'm foot in the door. I'm uh, my dad's ceiling is, is my floor. Phenomenal. Wonderful. So I really want to now major on that second thing. What is my gift? What is the gift, the talent stack uh, that God has, has made me with? You know, that's such an important um, thing that we, 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 
avoid and, and overlook as Christians. You know, we, we get to this place of like, oh, I'm just a, I'm just a nobody. I'm just a, you know, or, or the opposite is like you're creaming it. You're making a ton of money at your talent or your skill. And you're like, you feel bad or you feel like guilty. And it's like, guys, what a blessing, <laughs> you know, what a blessing to make money with what you're good at and what you're talented at or, or to be influential with it or uh, to bless people with, with governance and, and bravery and, uh, and laws and peace. Um, or in the church as well, you know, to give people a, a safe place and a, a place of encouragement. And it's like, this is awesome. Rob, what is the opportunity cost in our society of the fear of rejection by Western men? One cannot be the head of the waterboard if one does not apply or run. Exactly, brother. And so that so that hits on it now. With the biggest thing of being or doing the works of Abraham, I wanted to hit on Proverbs 22. We're, we're doing a few Proverbs here. So Proverbs 18 says, Proverbs 18 says, a man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. So number one, let's, you know, write down what are the things that, what are things that I know I'm good at and, and cut the whole pride or condemnation crap, like be humble. What are the things I'm good at? Write them down. What would other people say I'm good at? Write them down. The other thing is it makes room for you. So fear of competition, fear of, oh, there's no market for that, or there's no audience for that. And it's like, not with that attitude, you know, God is my provider, chaps. God is my promoter. God is my protector. My gift that he gave me, he will make room for me. And that's where you can start being, you don't have to be a competition anxiety of competing against everyone else. It's like, no, 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 like I'm going to be brilliant at what my thing is. I'm not going to worry about the results. I'm going to worry about doing it. Exactly what you're saying, Rob. Go apply for the position. Go uh, hit up the plan to people that you want to get involved. Um, so that's Proverbs 18. Proverbs 16 verse 9 says, A man plans his way in his heart. God directs his steps. So what God is giving us here is sonship, right? So my dad's saying to me, son, what do you want to do? Make a plan in your heart. What do, what do you love? What do you love reading about? What makes you angry? What makes you pissed off? What, what do you just love talking about? Make plans. Make plans and begin stepping. Apply. Invite. Call. Email. Do the thing. And God can begin directing your steps. And then Proverbs 22, verse 4, we'll, we'll sit on this for a bit, but that says, By humility and fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. And so that is a general or natural success for all men, right? That, that proverb there sets out the general success of all men. Riches, honor, and life. You know, what are riches? You know, we, we all define that differently. What is honor? We define that differently. And what is life? We, we define that. But, but sit down and define those things, right? Because that is the general success of our lives. But they are, it's the fruit of humility, knowing who we are, knowing who God made us to be. I'm a son and I'm a king with these passions, these talents, uh, and in this sphere of, of influence. Um, and I'm going to make plans. And then fear of the Lord, instead of fear of man, fear of woman, fear of failure, fear of success, fear of death fear of rejection. I'm going to be fear of the Lord. God has put something on my heart. I'm not going to bury my talent. Remember what, what Jesus said to the guy who buried his talent. It's like, you wicked, you lazy and wicked servant. I've been very lazy, you know, for me, like starting this YouTube, I knew this is what, this is a work that God wants me to do. So for many years, I've been, I know, okay, I should start a YouTube. Okay, I should start a YouTube. Fear of man, 
fear of rejection, fear of death, uh, fear of failure, fear of success, you know, like all these fears. And so it gets to the point where it's like, I'm lazy and I'm wicked for hiding my talent. And, and that's it. You know, there, there's a team of great men attempting great things who need your gift. And if you're hiding it, you're not just doing a disservice to yourself. You're doing a disservice uh, to everyone who's going to benefit from your talent and your gifts and your passions. Alrighty. So, and then Jack Donovan uh, talks in his book, The Way of Men, about the hierarchy of honor. You know, of uh, we are all of us uh, in hierarchies, hierarchy at church, hierarchy at business, hierarchy in a family, uh, hierarchy in our neighborhood or, or colleagues or friends or groups, clubs. How do we, so this is the honor part of riches, honor, and life. How do we increase our honor? And he says three things. Honor is, is uh, determined by courage versus cowardice, right? We give courageous men more honor and we, we dislike cowardly men. We, we get angry at cowardly men. We, we arbor cowardly men. Strength, right? Strength versus weakness. We, we don't like weakness in our own lives. We don't, we don't take kindly to weak men. Uh, and we all respect strong men. We're like, so it's respectable. And then mastery versus incompetence. You know, so we are all very glad for men who have mastery. You know, you have an issue in your health and you go uh, to a guy who's like, yeah, I can fix your back or yeah, I can fix your teeth. It's like you want, I, I often think about this. I, I hate going to the dentist, right? I had a lot of issues with my teeth in the past and, and I'd sit in that chair and this one dentist, he's like, he said to me, he's like, don't worry, buddy, I'm the best. And it's like, it's like you want an arrogant asshole dentist who knows he's the best dentist in the world. Cause it's like, <laughs> sweet. Thank you. You don't want a guy who's like, Oh, you know, I'm not, the, I'm not the best dentist. And it's like, you're busy. Like, ah! because it's like, you want a guy who knows what he's doing. That's mastery. Right. And then incompetence when it comes, especially government work, incompetence seems to live in government bureaucracy. Right. You know, you go to the DMV or you go in South Africa, it's called the home affairs. You try and get a passport or a, a social security number or something like that done. And like, it can be three days before you even get to the desk and then they lose your papers and blah, blah, blah. And all. It's like incompetence, right? We arbor incompetent men. That, that is a, is an insult that goes to a man's heart. If you say to someone you're incompetent, like whatever their job is, you know, if you're a, I don't know, whatever your job is, a, a postman, like you're an incompetent postman. It's like, but if you say to someone, dude, you're a masterful postman. It's like, Thank you. I'm, I'm masterful. Like someone has seen my craft, my thing that I love and I'm good at and I'm talented at. It's like, it's quite a thing. So how do we gain uh, honor? Courage, which is the fear of the Lord. Strength, which is, you know, really going harder. It says a, um, a wise man increases strength. So what are my talents? What am I good at? How do I increase strength in that? And then mastery. And that's, that's really working and being diligent hands, having diligent hands uh, at the thing I'm going at, putting time into it. You know, a lot of things, millennials, especially, you know, we'll try something. We're like, oh, I wasn't that good at it. Or I didn't get good feedback or it felt hard. So we, we stop, you know, and time is often the thing that it takes to crack a nut. You know, it's like, oh, I'm actually, I can do this. And a lot of times guys who, who do things, 
it's not that they feel good at it, you know, because if they look around at everyone else, they don't know how everyone else is like struggling as much as them. It's just they've done it for so long that they're like, yeah, I can do it. But it's like, dude, you're actually the best guy who does this. Everyone else sucks. And it's like, huh, I'm the best guy who does it because he stayed in the game. Alrighty. Andrew Quinn, hey, brother. Uh, thanks, man. Appreciate the encouragements. Rob, excellent points regarding Proverbs 22. Honor is a zero-sum game. Yep. Have I read Forging the Hero by John Mosby? I have not. I will add that to my reading list. Thank you. So when we get to um, to Abraham work, one of the one of the things about seeing ourselves as a king, seeing ourselves as a son, right, of a good father. So God says to Abraham, I am your shield, your very great reward. He's telling him, Abraham, I am your protector. So don't fear, you know, don't go around in fear. I am your promoter. You know, so Abraham says to the king of Sodom, I think, who he gives all the stuff back. And he's like, I don't want to keep your loot. He's like, no one will say that they have made Abraham rich. God will make me rich. It's like, that's a great saying to have, you know, and then you read Deuteronomy 28 on the blessings of the Lord. And it's like, I am blessed. Why? Because Jesus' blood has made me righteous. So I'm not guilty and shameful anymore. That, that brings a curse. You know, that's a huge thing for us, chaps. King energy a king is direct. He's bold. He's confident, right? Why? Because I'm not ashamed. I'm not some orphan. I'm not some wretch. I'm humble and I fear the Lord only. And so therefore, whatever I, I, I am attempting, what, what is my purpose? The thing, the great thing that I'm attempting in whatever sphere that, that I've chosen, I, I go hard at it and I go with boldness. And it's like, I'm going to make mistakes. Yes. I'm going to look bad. Yes. Uh, but I'm just going to keep at it because I'm a king. You know, the, the other day I, I got a, a real mower, you know, those push mowers with the little real thing. So there's no, no petrol involved. It's just a push mower. Got it in an auction. I was like, this is based. I'm going to start doing it. But you look kind of like an idiot doing it, you know, like in the, in the front yard, you're like, oh man, are all my neighbors going to judge me if they see me pushing a real mower when everyone else is driving these like huge ass ride on lawn mowers and cutting their lawns in like 10 minutes. And here's me pushing this real mower. But I was like, that's, that's often insecurity of like, I need people to like me. I need people to not judge me. I was like, no, king energy. I'm a king. I want to push this real mower. So therefore people who look at me, they're like, that guy's based. He's pushing a real mower with no shirt on getting bronzed. I was like, yeah, that's my mindset. My mindset is I'm a king. I make what I do honorable, right? I could drive a beater car somewhere and get out of my beater car. I'm not ashamed because I'm a king. And it's like, if people come and think that me having a certain piece of equipment or driving a car or living where I live, it's like, if you're ashamed of any of that, you're dealing with orphan shame, guilt somewhere in your identity. We've got to get to this place of God loves me. God is my father. He likes me. And whatever I do is king stuff. Yep. Real moment. You know, cause I, I live quite far from, from a gym far in my standards anyway. And uh, I'm like, I'm saving 30 bucks on petrol and I'm saving 30 bucks on a gym membership doing uh, basically weighted sled sprints across my yard with a real mower. It's really great. Alrighty. So yeah, so work as identity, right? A lot of us, we struggle with this thing of when you meet someone in the Western world, in the Anglo world, America, you meet someone, you're like, Hey, I'm Scott. Hey, I'm Bob, blah, blah, blah. 
oh, great. Like, Bob, what do you do? Like, that's the first question we normally ask. Like, oh, what do you do? And Bob's like, oh, I'm an, I'm an electrician. It's like, oh, okay, cool. What do you do, Scott? And it's like, oh, I'm, I don't know. How many, what are all the, th-? like, because I'm like, how do I, how do I tell someone my identity in one occupation? You know, that's the struggle we struggle with, right? And let's say I just say, oh, yeah, uh, I'm a, I'm a plumber. And it's like, great, chat, 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 blah, blah, blah. I don't know Bob's passions. I don't know Bob's talents. I just know that he has a job as an electrician or a business as an electrician. You know, so so for me, this whole thing of work as identity has overtaken us because we're visionless, right? Work is a result of identity. I'm a son. I'm a king attempting great things with my gift and my passion. The fact that I might be brilliant at wiring and understanding energy flow and not getting myself electrocuted and... And it's a great money-making thing right now. It's like being an electrician might be a pretty very a, a, a wise strategy, right? So I'm gonna boom, I'm gonna go become a brilliant electrician, right? But that's not my that's not my identity, electrician. Actually, you know, Bob the electrician is, is probably his identity is I'm a based father of five children, raising them up to all get married by the age of 18. And inherit a house and a property, and and I'm I'm buying up properties and redoing them myself with the skill set that I'm learning, um, and I'm taking over Main Street and redoing uh, Main Street. Like that's my passion, right? But how do you say that in? Oh, what do you do? It's like, well, I'm a based father and town patriarch redeveloper. You know, I don't know. You could say that. Like, I suppose property developer, whatever. But like, we have this propensity to try and uh, have work as our identity instead of work flow from our identity right because work can morph right and and i suppose what people are really trying to ask when they say what do you do i think they need to finish the question of like what do you do for money you know that's what people really want to know oh hey bob like nice to meet you what do you do for money it's kind of rude <laughs> you know it's kind of rude to ask someone that but that's what we're asking what do you do for money especially when we start meeting guys at church or whatever and or at, at sports clubs or whatever. And, you know, some guys are, are driving this great, amazing car and, and they have, you know, really nice clothes and seems like they've got a lot of free time. And so you're, you're, you're asking because you don't know your own identity and you haven't found your own niche of what you believe that you should be going hard at. It's like, okay, maybe this guy has the answer to my economy problems. You know, and it's not a bad thing. I, I think we should be looking at, at good strategies. You know, we, sh- we should all be hitting the base level in all four of these things, right? So the base level of ministry, I think we should all be saved and, and be able to minister and, and be able to encourage uh, men at the drop of a hat. Economy, we should all be paying our own way out of debt and being blessed financially. Uh, influence, we should all be raising our own children uh, instead of the state. We should all be um, demonstrating a good lifestyle and influencing other people. We should be a sort of celebrity, even if it's only to five or 10 people, who am I a celebrity to? Like right now, I'm a celebrity to my little nephews, right? So am I using my celebrity as a weapon? And then governance, right? We're all citizens. Am I voting on the local councils? Am I showing up? Am I doing the bare minimum of these four things? You know, that being said, you're going to, you're going to go hard at one of these probably or, or more. Rob, what do you do? Is a loaded class judgment question. Exactly. So, so that's the other side of things, right? Uh, 
as Christians, we should be thinking aristocratically. We should put ourselves in the aristocratic ruling class. We are kings. I am part of the nobility, noblesse oblige. I look out for my people and my place. Like I am the upper class. You know, people love watching like Downton Abbey or uh, whatever other like period pieces of like high class nobility because they're like, I would have been high class nobility if I was born in 1800s England. And it's like, that's a great fantasy, man. It's, it's actually our programming, right? We all want to be nobility. And it's just a, it's just a question of scale when it comes to, to your personal life. It's, it's, you are, you are a king, treat yourself as a king, drive your beta car as if it were a Rolls Royce, because it's not, it's not a thing of your, your surroundings don't make you a king. Your, your property, your owning, your day job, your circumstances don't make you a king. David was on the backside of a freaking desert tending sheeps and uh, goats and crap. And he was anointed king doing that, you know, and then he was a, an, an errand boy taking bread and cheese to the army when I'm sure all he wanted, like every young man grows up dreaming of being in the army. And it's like, sorry, all your brothers are in the army. You're just the errand boy. You know, he was anointed king even then overlooked, rejected backside of the desert. Then he gets into some, some, some glory kills a, you know, he becomes King cause he killed the giant. Everyone's like, Oh, David's amazing. He's killed 10,000 men. He's just a badass. He's, he's everything. And so boom, he ascends into pseudo kingship celebrity status. And he, he would be thinking like, I've made it like, this is it. This is how, this is how I get into the palace. Right. I'm now friends with the King's son. I'm married to the King's daughter. I've been anointed. Like it's only a matter of time. Like, I'm on cruise control. And then all of that gets wiped away. He, he gets uh, attempted murder by the king. And now he's in the desert again, backside of the desert. And instead of shepherding sheep, he's now the captain shepherding these 400 indebted, uh, captive reject people who've escaped society or can't be had by society. You know, like, would you say he was king then? But he was anointed king. It's the same for us, chaps. Your bank account, your property, your circumstances don't determine your identity. Your work is a flow from your identity. You know, I, I often, I read a great, I, I, was, I often think about this. I read a great book about a guy who went to West Virginia and started a church with the poor, uh, the poor guys in some town in West Virginia. And he just started like mowing lawns, clipping hedges, painting houses, re-roofing houses, that was his like way of transforming these people's identities, right? Because, because our identity does, the fruit of our identity becomes our circumstances, becomes our owner, our property, becomes our, our around us. So in a way, he wanted to kickstart, like if you can carry yourselves well and clean yourselves up and act like a king, you will become a king, right? And then the king stuff will flow once you LARP and be the king, you know? So for a lot of us, like we do have to LARP, we have to check ourselves, you know, like there's me having an insecurity moment out on the lawn. Cause what if my neighbors see me with a real mower? And it's like, boom, in that moment, I was LARPing as an orphan. I was LARPing as an insecure soy. And it's like, no, I'm a king. Like, you know, we, we have that moment every day in our lives where, where our circumstances can be framed as failure and you're a, you're you're an orphan failure you'll never be a king why did you even think you could be a king 
uh, embarrassment, or I'm a king and, and I'm prepared by my circumstances. I'm Joseph in jail, I'm David in the desert, and my time is coming. And so I keep my, my mind in king, in king mindset. And I do my hard work out of that identity, even if it is being a plumber or being a whatever a day job is, you know, that, that you're just doing to get your economy by, but you're actually wanting to do this or this or this. All righty. I think that's all I had, chaps. Um, let's do some questions as well, if you have any. Um, what we think of as Western nobility are the decadent descendants of barons, the men who imposed their will on others. Yeah. And I think that's why we have this, this lack of aristocratic thinking in the church because we're like, oh, these bad people did it terribly. Even in American history, you know, the, the robber barons and, and even now we look at, at our nobility, uh, you know, all the Fortune 500 kind of guys are our nobility now. Economy affords you, economic ownership and power affords you influence. You know, and just because bad men pick up a gun doesn't mean that good men shouldn't pick up a gun. Economy is a gun, right? Good men should have a lot of economy. You know, same with, with governance, same with aristocratic noblesse oblige, right? If you, you know, I often, often think on this question, because a lot of guys are like, Christians shouldn't be rich. Christians shouldn't be wealthy. They shouldn't be powerful. They shouldn't be influential. And it's like, do you not think the world would be a better place if you had money? Like if you were a billionaire, the world would be a better place because you've got You've got the, the identity of Christ. You've got the mind of Christ. You've got the heart of Christ. You're, you've got king energy on the thing that you want to affect and, and influence. And it's like the world would be a, a heck of a lot better off if you uh, were wealthy, if you were powerful, if you were influential, if you owned a ton of land, if you had the ability to uh, prevent things from happening on your property or the ability to make things happen on your property, your lots of properties, you know? We must learn to be able to exclude based on principles. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's where, where strong boundaries, that, that you know, uh, is it Romans 13 or Hebrews 13, wherever it is, but but the whole thing of um, the ministry of the sword, right? Bearing, bearing the sword, talking about governance, talking about kingship, uh, is a full-time ministry. You know, and what is that sword for? It's for peace and for prosperity. How do you rank the success of a king is on the peace and prosperity of his people and his place, you know? So if your people are impoverished, you're a bad governor. If your people uh, are in violence, you're a bad governor. If your pe people are peaceful, if your people are prosperous, you're a good governor. Uh, and so this whole thing of um, how do you get Peace is through boundaries, strong boundaries, a sword to defend and to set boundaries. You know, so violent men who are good, violent men who are honorable and have the mind of Christ and the heart of Christ. I say by violent, I mean skilled at violence. That's what a policeman is, a sheriff. You know, I I admire policemen and sheriffs and, and soldier type guys who, who are like, okay, there's, you know, you get called out to something and there's some people fighting and it's like, all right, I'm going to come in and, and bring down the sword, bring down the hammer. And it's like, that's not an easy thing to do day in and day out as your job, but these guys have a grace for it. They have a talent for it, a passion for it. And you see that with, with 
you know, all of these police chiefs who are, are leaving their cops under, uh, throwing their cops under the bus, it's like they are not bearing the sword. Uh, they are falling on the sword. You know, they're like, oh, don't call me a racist. Oh, don't call me. Or, I mean, I think it's social engineering of they're, they're being paid uh, to foment crisis and foment race wars and foment chaos and close down businesses and, and cause damage. Um, trash properties and uh, change um, city property things. You know, there, there's a lot of shenanigans and stuff going around there. Megan, welcome. What is the best way to get my children to carry on the torch of legacy building? It's to make them understand that they are not an individual. Individualism is what has, it's the, liberalism is cancer. It's the cancer of our civilization. It's what's destroyed us, our civilization. You need to get your children to understand who their mother and father are, who their, grand, who their grandfather and grandmother are, who their great-grandmothers and grandfathers are. You know, I can only go back three uh, uh, on my paternal side. I know my father, I know my grandfather, and I know my great-grandfather's story. Uh, I, I never met him, but I know his story and his name and where he came from and why he, he, he got there and what he did. I feel incredibly rooted to that legacy. You need to to have this understanding of, you know, cause it's both, it's as Christian nationalists, it's both, it's both faith. We need to be rooted in the Bible, rooted in this, this understanding. When I say rooted in the Bible, it's not just rote memorization because that can get very boring, very religious. It is seeing the Bible as a template for patriarchy, for, for young men, a template for how to be a, 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 a an absolute based legend, a king, king energy, right? How do I be a son of God? And a king that Jesus is king of. That's what the Bible is. It's a manual. It's a template. It's a it's a showing. And um, just taking an idea there that you've given me. So so on on the one hand we want we want to have an identity that's solid in God, and then on the other hand an identity that is solid in our tribe, in our community, right? And and that is how you you get to this place of of carrying on the torch of legacy is. Do they know where my legacy, and when you say legacy, you know, it, it could be a moral inheritance, a, uh, a social inheritance, because they're, they're inheriting. You need to introduce, that's something I wish my father, I, you know, my father died when I was a, a teenager. I wish I'd met all of his friends. And I mean, I did. I wish I had understood the power of a social network, the power of knowing people who were favorable to your dad. So introducing your, your children to all of your friends. Uh, you know, giving them a social inheritance. Um, and then obviously a, a financial inheritance. And, and by financial inheritance, one of the biggest things there is, like if you read uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad or, or Born Rich, the, the, the inheritance there is to not be a slave, right? You don't, if, if, you're a, if you're in a slave economy, and what I mean by that is, is if you're working nine to five, you're in debt, you're working for someone else, you're, you're selling your time, you want your child to, to not carry that on, you know? So how do we, we set up our children uh, to be in, in the significance economy? How do they be out of the nine to five? How do we help them build a business or a product or a service around their talent, around their passion, around their uh, calling in life, all the stuff we've been talking about. So 
yeah, there's there's a lot we could we could say on that, but I, I would say knowing your you know that's why that's why classical education for for young British boys was, you know, we were almost indoctrinated with with Greek and Roman uh, mythology and history because it's it's emulating. We were all taught to emulate Caesar. You know, we wanted this this war hero, bold. Uh, you know, that is what we modeled our our characters on, right? Is history and being rooted into history. Uh, same with with biblical characters. That's why David is is a, a character that is, uh, and Abraham is a character that we major on because we're trying to model ourselves on these men. So, so this is uh, where I wanted to jump in on my, my last point on my notes was having maven models and counsel. A maven is just a Jewish word for for someone who is doing the thing as a success at the thing that you want to be doing. You know, so I I read a lot of biographies um, of great men. You know, great men who are doing, I look at these men, I'm like, would I trade my life for them? Like, would I, you know, in 20, 30, 40, 50 years time, however old they are, would I like to be in a position similar to them? And it's like, yeah, that would be pretty significant. That would be pretty meaningful. It's like, okay, a lot of them are dead. So all I have are their books or their talks uh, or their their works. So you want to obviously study and, and immerse yourself in that and claim their testimony, right? Claim their uh, pattern, their template that they've laid out for you. But here's one, one step further that, that you can start doing when it comes to your own passions and talents and things is to have a counsel session in your journal and basically say, what would this guy do if he was in my shoes right now? And journal it out. Like every thought that comes to you, like what would this guy do? You know, let's say you want to be in um, in governance as, as your sphere of, of, of influence and, and work. Who is someone who is a great man at that? It's like, oh, probably David or Abraham, right? What would David do in my, well, it's not a, not a good thing. David would go in the streets and start wielding a sword, if you know what I mean. But so take someone more recent, right? right? But what would they do in my shoes? And it, it gets your mind off of your own limited thinking and it puts you into a frame of thinking through someone else's shoes. Great question, Megan. Appreciate it. So, yep, that's what I wanted to encourage you guys on. It's been a nice, it's been a nice chat. Uh, so just to recap, um, you know, what are our areas of kingship? Ministry, church, economy, uh, influence, media, uh, celebrity, education, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and then governance, right? We all have a natural flow that we want to go into of those things. And to stop putting on a pedestal this church or ministry as the only thing that God approves of. It's like, no, it's not the thing that he approves of. It's us as sons and kings that he approves of. So that's part two is to not say, dad, what? just tell me what to do. I'll do it. It's like, no, no, no. What do you want to do? Make plans in your heart. Your gift makes room for you. Go hard with my full blessing. Read Deuteronomy 28. I, I thoroughly encourage you. Uh, Jesus' blood and his righteousness has made all the blessings of Deut Deuteronomy 28 uh, relevant to us. Alrighty, chaps. Megan, thank you. You're one of the few people giving practical and actionable advice to counter on a healthy culture. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, really appreciate you guys. Have a great afternoon and evening. And may the Lord bless you. See you guys tomorrow.